Welcome back. It is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast with Rochelle and Carter. Will you start off with your joke? I will start off with my joke. What did one sleepyhead say to the other sleepyhead? What did one sleepyhead say to the other sleepyhead? <gasps> Where are the rest of our bodies? <laughs> I, I approve the of that rest joke. Of our body? I approve of that joke. Thank you. Um, this uh, usually that's me telling those. Yeah. Uh, but alas, you have terrible. No, no, Dad I love joke. that. I love it. And you made that one up. I did make that one. You're, up. you're pretty sure, at least. I was uh, was honestly, I was sleeping. I was halfway sleep, halfway awake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, sleepyhead. What happened to the rest of their body? That's great. So the the thoughts that come to us when we're halfway conscious sometimes turn into gold. Yeah, but you just never know. You just yeah, never know. Like Jerry Seinfeld on that one episode. He yeah. wrote it down. He had no idea what he wrote. And then it was incoherent. It didn't make any sense. Uh, so this is through hopeondemand.com. Mm-hmm. We love getting to talk about every week about what we're going through spiritually. There's a lot more there as well. A lot of your favorite uh, Christian artists talking about life or performing as well. Uh, hopeondemand.com. I, I want to bring up this. We didn't do this last week. And it was probably most in the spotlight last week. But I feel like, especially if you're listening sometime from now, we are right around the time frame of the Oscars 2022. Okay. Will Smith. Oh, yeah. The slap. Mm-hmm. And just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. What? <sighs> yeah, I heard a good perspective mm-hmm. from Lecrae, who's a Christian hip-hop artist. And he said a mature stance on this, a mature um, breaking uh, down of it. Uh, well, he started with immature. He said, uh, immature is Will Smith is this or Chris Rock is this. Yeah. He said, mature is seeing yourself in Ooh, that's good. these situations yes. and saying what what I would have done and should learn from because mm-hmm. we can learn from other people's mistakes. But I see I see fault and I see greatness. Uh, maybe greatness is the wrong word, but good things in both in, in that instance. Because did Chris Rock purposely mean to insult somebody he didn't know about the alopecia issue is is what i understand i don't think he knew about it mm-hmm. um but he still offended somebody he still hurt somebody but then he also showed great composure and great restraint in not striking back yeah uh will smith you can say well it's very nice that he wanted to stand up for his family did he go about it the right way no absolutely not yeah i i loved what denzel said to him uh during a commercial break which Will actually shared in his acceptance speech when he got the Oscar. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, when you're at your highest points, that's when the devil comes. Mm. And that's, it made me think about when Jesus is baptized and the heavens part and the dump comes down as the Holy Spirit upon Jesus, preparing him for his ministry. It's about to take place. It's this high moment in his life. And what happens next is he goes and is led into the desert. Yeah. Where he's tempted by the enemy for 40 days. Yeah. And the the enemy came in swinging. But instead of getting defensive, which Jesus could have easily done, especially the more hangry you get, he did not eat for those 40 days. Yeah. Wow. He knew what to do was not to rely on his own feelings. He relied on scripture. Sure. And he shared the word of God. Yeah. And I thought that was that was interesting. Something I can learn. And I'm sure that Will looking back is like, and I wish I had done X, Y, Z. Um, yeah. in that, but also I, I like what Lecrae was saying and to kind of look at yourself and let's look at this instance as an, uh, this is a perfect example of Hollywood chewing you up and spitting you out. Mm. This guy, as far as I can tell, he's kind of played it under the radar. Nothing like this in his history ever. Yeah. Like yeah. he went from Fresh Prince, pretty clean rap artist uh, most of the films that I've seen him in, at least, maybe I haven't seen Bad Boys, but most of the films like Pursuit of Happiness and things like that. Right. 
uh, have a really good moral. And so I'm like, this is the first time he's ever done anything like this. Hollywood should maybe have his back because he's put enough good deeds in the good deed container. This is his first bad deed in the bad deed container. And yet. And that's what I was hearing a pastor share about this the other day, not in reference to Will Smith, but saying this world is waiting, standing by to watch you fail. Hmm. Because this world is run by the prince of darkness. Hmm. He wants you to fail. Yeah. And so as a good reminder, it's like the Jesus is rooting for you. And he is the only one that's got your back with grace. His love will never fail. Now, broken people like me who have Jesus in us Mm -hmm. can offer you grace because of Jesus, not because of me. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. it's only through Jesus that we can recognize grace and love and where our our true stance. So all day long, Will Smith can come to Jesus and repent and know that he has forgiveness. I think it's tough because we don't live in a culture that says you better be careful and in so many words, especially when you know the person, uh, you better be careful because if you did this and this and this, I would I would be forced to give up mm. on you or cancel you. It's only when it happens that it's evident you don't have any friends left. <laughs> and it just seems like you're buddy buddy and you're good. And then all of a sudden it's like, as I think there's a self-preservation thing with that. Can, you know, the, the canceling people is really based in fear, a lot of it, you know, because if I don't, condemn these actions up to a point of like removing myself completely in association with this person, then maybe people will say stuff about me. Hmm. I think it turns into a self-preservation thing, Mm -hmm. which is a dangerous way to live. We see in the apocalyptic movies all the time. That's all that is. It's it's (laughs) self-preservation with all the craziness. Um, But Will Smith is somebody that uh, I have had great respect for because there's a radio show that I listened to. They had him on as a guest 10 years ago. Yeah. And it and and I heard them say this about well not not even with this recent thing they they've been saying this for years how really cool it was because a lot of people will go on a radio show a lot of celebrities will just not even know what city they're in and not even know like who they're even talking to and they'll go in and they'll do a thirty minute interview and they're like all right see you guys and and there was just no um, the respect level was there to a point mm-hmm. but with Will Smith. He was making eye contact. He was engaged. He knew where he was. He knew what city he was in. And he would look at the host and he'd say, well, Dave, what do you think about that? He would say their names. He would say, he would use their name. Yeah. These people that he never met, never going to see again necessarily. And the, the the host, Dave, said that meant so much because you could just, that, that's there's a big difference there. Yeah. And so and even if that was a PR stunt, like people are prepping him beforehand. People don't do that. He cared enough. Yeah. To make sure to memorize the names. And so this could obviously be the Will Smith podcast, but I think the point <laughs> is to go along with what you said. We yeah. can do everything right. And then all of a sudden we yeah. do something wrong. And that's where cancel culture, I think it was the newsboys that said this. It is just so opposite of the mm. the gospel. In fact, that's probably why a lot of people right now are blown away by the gospel that wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can admit all the wrong that I've done mm-hmm. and and say it and you know repent from it and, yeah. and forego it. And and then Jesus says, I'll take it all and you're forgiven. Oh. Wait a minute, I won't get canceled? Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, because the world, it doesn't hold people accountable. It crucifies them. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's very what happened true. happened to Jesus. That's very true. Um, of course, he didn't have anything to be held accountable for. Right. He took our accountability on himself. Yeah. Right. But that's what the world does. Mm. And I mean, even the enemy during that scenario of temptation in the desert, he clarifies like the authority on this planet was given to him 
by the people who God gave the authority to, Adam and Eve. Yeah. And so he then in this moment tempts Jesus and says, I'll give it to you. All you got to do is do this. Of course, Jesus doesn't waver and he stands on instead of his feelings, because I think in that moment he probably would have wheels spinning. What does this mean? Does this mean I could bypass Mm -hmm. the cross? And instead of what he feels, he goes to what he knows, yeah, which is the word of God. I'm going to stand on this truth. And yeah. it's a firm foundation. That's very good. Yeah. Uh, so something going on in my life, my my spiritual thing this week is um, if you've ever had somebody in your life that's been, um, uh, let's make sure to clarify, a believer in Jesus and where we can identify what the Bible says about certain issues, sin specifically, mm-hmm. and you find somebody that you know and love and they're starting to go, to go down a road that they shouldn't be going down. Mm. And I have somebody I've known for years that is going to make a decision uh, in in the coming months that uh, the indication is that they uh, have already made this decision and what's going to happen will be a a situation that is is not what the Bible says. And so here I am hearing certain verses uh, of, you know, Galatians 6, 1, I believe, you know, to gently correct a brother or mm. sister, you know, in love. Um, and, and James calls this to us too. I think it's like 519, I, I think, talking about um, to to basically, you know, look, uh, deal with our own sin, of mm-hmm. course, but then from a non-judgmental perspective, a non-I'm-not-the-ultimate-judge uh, perspective, yeah. and say, but let me, let me lovingly correct you. I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about you. And this is not a good road that you're going down. Yeah. And so Ephesians four, we looked up this morning, actually. That's right. Truth and love, right? Truth and love and sharing things. So we had talked about it on our, on our radio show and, uh, definitely want to play you a couple of the responses, but I, would be curious if you had to have this conversation where you don't really want to have it, but you just feel like that you should because you care about them. Mm-hmm. And how did you, uh, or did somebody have it with you? Uh, was there any, any? Uh, I don't even know if you talked about that this morning about no, yourself. No, I didn't share anything. Um, I don't think I've ever dealt with this well. Ever dealt with this well. And if, Lord, if, if there is a circumstance that you could remind me of that I'm forgetting, I, I do remember a situation where a very good friend of mine was involved with a uh, with a family matter, and I was so frustrated with her, who knew right from wrong, um, who should know better. Mm. I distanced myself from them for a long time. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I kind of made her pay in Mm. that I didn't talk to her. Mm -hmm. And she reached out several times, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was so frustrated because I felt like I'd been down that road with her before. Sure. So instead of saying, let's pull out the Bible together, Mm -hmm. and let's see what Scripture says, because I know that I am... I'm not above reproach in everything, right? I have faults. They are many. And I'd be stupid to say there's no planks hanging out of my own eye on other matters. Mm, But for this one thing, this is clear to me. And I feel like you have muddied the waters a bit. Yeah, yeah. And so... Well, and there's an element of that, and I, I don't think you were indicating that, but there's an element of that that was right, where if you have this conversation with said person going down said bad road and they reject you, Mm-hmm. then what does it talk about that nobody ever does? Um, and cause it's awkward. You get two or three people that, that can yeah. acknowledge, you know, okay, no, this is the situation. They reject that. You go to the, the church leadership. If you're, if you're in the same community or at the same church or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and then if, if they still won't, then, then you, it says treat them as an unbeliever. 
And I don't think that means not going to lunch with them. Yeah. But there's certainly, in fact, there's another part, and I thought this is a really good, okay, that's, that gives me clarity. Uh, I think it's in Corinthians that Paul is saying, don't even eat with such a person. Mm-hmm. Well, really, you got to look at the the context and what did the church do? They communed together often after, quote, service, mm-hmm. where they would all then eat together. And so, you know, talking to a body of believers that is doing that, don't even eat with such a person. Well, you're not including that person that is not repenting uh, in the the church functions. Yeah. Uh, but to individually reach out and still treat them as an unbeliever. Yes. And but still be kind and gracious and and not totally cut them off. Now, I think there's another nuance there where, well, if it's abuse or if it, it crosses certain lines, no, 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 go your own way. Absolutely. There, there is, I mean, there's no, every situation is different, mm-hmm. but I think for the everyday situation, we may think, well, then I just have to reject them. Well, yes and no, mm-hmm. you're not going to treat, you're not going to, you know, say, Hey, what time are our kids doing the church choir together? You're not going to like, they're doing something where you're going to treat them like they're not as a part of the church body. It doesn't mean you won't treat them kindly. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And there are so many different kinds of confrontation in this particular instance that you're you're talking about. It is a person in your life who's a dear friend who is going down a road you would like to pull them from jumping off the cliff, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the levels of confrontation I've had in my life, it's it's usually like um like a coworker situation mm-hmm. or yeah, a family member where I have had to humble myself and go, wait, am I at fault here too? You know? Sure. And maybe on a more equal footing, we just misunderstood each other. Can we have a clearing about this? Because there might be some, quote, bad blood between you. But I don't know that I've ever felt the need to come alongside someone in the Lord and and correct. I don't know that I've ever had that position, that place, Mm -hmm. or opportunity even. I've definitely been with non-believers who I've even in college time was associated with, and I saw them doing things that were not according to scripture. But again, I'm measuring sin that they don't even look at in the same way as I do sin because they're yeah. not believers right. in Christ. Right. They don't measure that as sin. They measure that as living life. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, it can be incredibly tricky. It's certainly uncomfortable, but it's also in obedience to what God is asking you to do. So we obviously applaud and pray pray with you about what's going to happen. I appreciate that. Um, this is what a couple of the responses we had this morning that were, we thought, pretty pretty good. Here's what Liz said. It all comes down to just doing it like everybody has been saying, just in love. But I just want to encourage you, Carter, to just be prepared for whatever the outcome of that conversation is. Sure. Whether your friend receives what you have to tell them well or not well. You know, people don't like being pointed out the bad areas in their life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, your friend might meet you with some adversity, but I just encourage you to just pray about that and just know that you what God has called you to do. You were obedient. And even when it was uncomfortable, it's really hard, but you're being a good friend. You're doing what God has called you to do just by having this conversation, no matter how uncomfortable it may be, you're doing it. And if it's met with grace and love, then all the better and God be the glory. I appreciate that. Did did somebody not react well to you? Yes. um, I had a friend who I approached and she called out some things in my life and it became a battle of, you know, he said she said and not looking at the, you know, the plank in their own eye before they were looking at the Mm. speck in mine. But Mm, again, I look back on it now thanking God that I had a friend that was, you know, willing to point those things out to me and I used it as a time of reflection and a time of, of learning for myself and for that person as well.
Mm, yeah. And then here's what uh, Linda had to say. Well, mine's kind of a reverse thing. I was the one that was out of line. Oh. I didn't really pray about it enough or think about it enough. And I had a very dear Christian friend who came to me and told me that she thought we should pray about it, that it was a really hard decision for me to make without truly seeking God first. But the little brat brought her Bible with her. (laughs) (laughs) So the time we were through praying and looking at Scripture, I knew what God wanted me to do, and it sure wasn't what I planned on doing. Mm. My thing is, if you're truly a good friend and what God wants you to be, step out and talk to your friends, and they will always appreciate it when they look back. I heard a really good conversation about that last part that reminded me. Scripture said, God was saying clearly through Scripture that um, what he wanted me to do wasn't what I planned on doing. Mm-hmm. And it was a really good conversation about how we get into arguments about what the Bible says and what the context truly is on on anything, mm-hmm. on sin mm-hmm. issues, on the secondary issues of, you know, whether it be is alcohol OK mm-hmm. or women in leadership or, you know, things like that that people go back and forth on. Sure. And. And the, what the person said is, let's just set uh, for on any issue. Let's set all of it aside. Mm-hmm. Let's set all of um, the the contexts and interpretations and who could be right or who could be wrong in the Greek and the Hebrew and this and that. Let's just say for whatever you're dealing with, whatever your opinion is, if we proved that the Bible truly said the opposite of what you feel or even even what you feel God's calling you to. But the Bible is saying the opposite. Would you then change your mind? Mm. And he said, if the answer is still no, mm. then we don't have a context issue. We have a willingness issue. <laughs> that's a big deal. And I thought that's really good because we can obviously bring into the what does scripture say context wise and what did this mean to this group of people and does it apply today? Sure. All of that, yes. But just setting that aside for a second, am I willing if like Linda was, yeah. if it turns out I'm wrong, am I willing to say that? It's super important that we stay humble. Yeah. The meek inherit the earth, Mm. not the proud. Yeah, that's true. And so, I mean, if the king of kings can humble himself and be the suffering servant, as it says in Isaiah, I need to serve. And that means Mm. I I need to humble myself. And so if somebody comes to me and says, Rochelle, I'm really concerned about you, and they've got scriptural application for it. Well, I hope I listen. I've been meaning to talk to you. (laughs) You constantly, constantly, the reruns of the facts of life that you won't stop talking about. The facts of life. (laughs) No, no, this is the issue. This is the issue. I don't Um, don't even know that I've seen a full episode. That's so random. (laughs) What's what's her name? What's the the woman in charge's name? Uh, See, uh, I don't even know. uh, Miss. uh, Well, girls. This is more about you, I think, than me. See, I, need blank, to stop. I need to stop the watching the facts of life. I'm so sorry. Yes. I love that. Well, thank uh, you for sharing this issue, though. In all seriousness, I think it's something that uh, nobody, nobody, I think, likes confrontation. Unless they're just a real, uh, what is it, an eight on the Enneagram? Uh-huh, they're sure. fine with that. Actually, bring it. let me do it. I'll do it for you. <laughs> I've never been that person. No way. No, and I think, I think even those people... If they genuinely care about the person that they have to confront and it's about something really sensitive, I would imagine even then there's trepidation because you don't want to ruin the relationship. But like somebody else we heard from 
she said, I've got to be willing to, if, if the friendship is ruined, that's got to be a risk I'm willing to mm-hmm. take. And that stinks. It does stink, especially if it's family. Yeah. And I, yeah, there's uh-huh. been a few times where I've said that I failed miserably in terms of like, uh, you know, if, if there was somebody who was grading this, which the only person that matters in this scenario is God. Mm-hmm. Are you obeying God? Sure. But if somebody, I would probably get like, ah, she barely made that. That's a D. Uh, like, what are you talking about? You, you doing the confronting? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Where, yeah. Um, where unfaithfulness took place with family. And I... I had a conversation and it, <laughs> I was just say, I can work on my grace skills and hopefully I think years help with that. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. because ultimately when you put some years behind you and, and maybe you're a younger person, you've been able to stay on top of this stuff since the beginning. Well, praise the Lord. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But I think years give you experience and experience gives you maturity, hopefully, and it builds character yeah. and you start to recognize, okay. I see there, but for the grace of God, go I. Sure. With these faults that maybe I've been privy to in others. And and perhaps, Lord, are you sharing this with me? Am I seeing this in them because I struggle? Mm-hmm. Or am I seeing this in them because you need me to talk to them? And if so, whoo, let me get into prayer time with you before I pick up the phone and just start wailing on them. You right. know? <laughs> right. Let me, Lord, let's talk about this. Is there a way that you would have me do it? Do you even want me to do it? Is there somebody else that I need to be bringing into this scenario? Uh, a yeah. counselor or, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's no, it's not easy. There's going to be times where it's not my responsibility, especially the yeah. less I know somebody. And like you are saying, you know, if they're an unbeliever, it's just a different conversation. Um, if, if one at all. Uh, but when you really know them, that is, it is, it is hard. It is, especially when you think, I think this is up to me. I think the rest of the friend group or yeah. family or whatever it nobody's is, is gonna nobody's going to do it. Then it, it just feels like you care about their future. It's yeah. affecting other people. And that may be the, just them. that may be the 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 factor, the uh, what's what I'm looking for, the uh, uh, when something sparks, the catalyst that may be the catalyst of uh, whether I should approach somebody or not is is it because I care about them? Because if I if I don't or, you know, we're Christians, we care about everybody. But you, you get on the real, though, you there's people in our lives. that's I like them, but I, I don't deeply care. And I think that may be just a good catalyst of do I deeply care? Um, but ultimately, hey, if, if Scripture says in their brother in Christ or sister in Christ in the church and it's like, I don't know him that well, but I feel like I should. Then and, uh, that's the way to go, I guess. So I am. Um... I asked my son last night, he came home from church. I said, what did you guys talk about? And I was wondering what we should talk about during this podcast because I'm going through, I just finished up numbers and going into Deuteronomy now. And uh, it's a whole list of explanations and things, things that Moses shares right before, basically he passes away and before they go into the promised land. So that's, that's an intriguing book. And it feels like a restating of a lot of other things he's already shared, but just like, you know, you have to keep telling your kids over and over again. <laughs> yes, you do. Reminds you of that. And the time span was <laughs> was many years, yes, you know. Many. So, yeah. Um, and then Jesus, I'm in the book of Luke. It's it's just a wonderful collection from this guy who, speaking of a, an eight on the Enneagram, I don't know if that's what he was, but he clearly was a left brain mind and he wanted to package together um, information to help um to help, maybe it was just one person or maybe it was just 
a lot of people in general, we're not entirely certain when he says, dear, I think his name is Theopolis, who he's, he was writing to. Um, but he's trying to put together an account to share Jesus. And it's beautiful to reread Luke. But um, I think it was what Caleb came home with and he shared with me. I was like, I think I need to talk about that. And it was a, a message I had heard several years ago, shared from Oak Hills Church, which is in San Antonio. It's, it's Max Lucado's church. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's in reference to the things that Jesus says from the cross. Mm. And it's exactly what Caleb, they so well, we talked about what Jesus said on the cross. It's kind of, if you think about it, this is Jesus's last few moments before the biggest transaction ever mm. takes place. What does he choose to say? And some of the things seem a little bit, well, let me read you some of them. Sure, okay. Some may see a little, seem a little random. Some you may think, I know exactly what that means. So you remember, Father, forgive them, mm-hmm. for they know not what they do. Um, today, you shall be with me in paradise. Do you remember when he says that? He's talking to the thief on the cross. Talking to the thief. Who... Had, we have no indication that right. he was a, uh, well, a, a Jew or, right. or anything. We know he know? was a thief. He was yeah. a bad guy. Yeah. And he was the one who took up for him because the other thief was like, hey, yeah, they're right. Why don't you uh, get mm-hmm. us off the cross too? Because mm-hmm. they were taunting Jesus and saying, you can save others. You can't save yourself. Um, then Jesus says, woman, behold thy son. And she's talking to his mother. And he's not addressing her as mom. He's saying woman. Behold your son, and he's pointing to the apostle that he loved, John. Mm-hmm. And behold your mother, he tells John. So that he's like, even in those last gasping for air moments, he's thinking of his relationships with people that are close to him, and they're right there. Um, then he says this phrase, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says things like, I thirst. He says, it is finished. And he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So these are the seven traditional sayings that he says from the cross. When I, I remember as a little girl, there was this song called The Champion from Carmen. Okay, yeah. And there, part of it is when, see, Jesus is going fisticuffs with the enemy, and then he drops his guard, and that's when the enemy comes in swinging. Okay, okay. And he takes him out, and seemingly he's down for the count. Yeah. But at the end of the, what happens? Well, Jesus is the champion. Right. But there's this little moment in there where Father God turns his head. I have heard this, and hymns have often relayed that because God cannot be present where sin is, that he disengages from the Son. And for some time in my life, I was like in agreement. I was like, well, that makes sense. And Jesus says these words from the cross. It's right there. And then I heard this message that, whoa, I'd never heard anything like this before. So I'm going to read to you from Psalm 22. And before I do, I'm going to tell you that, um, well, let's just try a little something here. Um, I'm going to start a very famous poem that you should know. And okay. just kind of finish it. Okay. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. But, but he is strong. So I'm prompting you. This is something that the rabbis would do mm-hmm. when people didn't necessarily, everybody had a Torah, uh, the Talmud in their home. They didn't have access to scripture. So in order to help memorize, he would prompt them and it's called remezzing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so in prompting, they would give you the starter line 
like I did with you, and then you immediately, oh, yeah, that. Listen to this from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is a psalm of David. This is one that would have been familiar to the people. He is remezzing from the cross this psalm. Is he saying, God, have you forsaken me? Or is he getting them to go, wait, what? They've been taunting this whole time. Now he's saying things. I'm going to skip down to verse 6. That's the very first verse. I am a worm and not a man scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who seek me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. That's happened. They've been doing it. Yeah. Even the thief on the cross has been doing it. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. He saved others. Why can't he save himself? Hmm. I'm going to move on to verse 14. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. Not one of them was broken, was it? But they were out of joint. Yeah. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried like a potsherd. I thirst, Jesus said from the cross. Yeah. And my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. Moving on to verse 18. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. This happens with the Roman soldiers. Mm -hmm. Moving on. It goes on and on until you get towards the bottom of this, this passage. And this is what generally happens with Psalms. Uh, you, you hear the, the desperation at the very beginning of it. And there's usually like after a lament, there's this, but I'm going to celebrate, right, moment. And so it says, uh, it talks about revering the Lord. You who fear the Lord, praise him. And it goes on to share, ooh, this is so good. And I don't want to miss this one part because there's this one part in there that's really, really important because it talks. Oh, here it is. It's verse 24. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him. Hmm. The last verse is they will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn. He has done it. It is is finished that is the last verse you see all of the things that take account into this this would have been a passage familiar to the people they should be putting like dotting i's and crossing t's at this point going oh yeah my word it's interesting that the 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 greek word that's used when he says it is finished is also the same the same wording that they discovered on tax receipts when people paid in full was the same word. Okay, yeah. It is accomplished. It is finished. It's been paid in full. Huh. If you've ever questioned about the prophecy and could he have somehow organized all these things together, what are the chances yeah. that in one passage of Scripture— People can account for the things that took place that day. 
Right. You have you have, <laughs> and then scripture that was, oh, what would that have been? A thousand or fifteen years old, fifteen hundred years old. Before, yeah, David, and um, that was his great 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 grandpa, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. Also, the other the other things that weren't necessarily accounted for in Psalm twenty two, but the things that he said about Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. It's um, the care, even on the cross. Even with your bones disjointed and your heart melted as wax, he's caring for for you and for me. And if I have ever questioned, and I have, like even recently, it's like, Lord, do I please you? I mean, I know that I am just me and somehow you desire me. You don't need me. You want me. Do I please you? Do I please you like Mary? When Mm. Gabriel came to Mary and said, oh, highly favored. And this morning, and I'm not going to say, oh, I heard God's voice. I don't know. But I felt like the assurance as I was mulling this over, it's like Mary carried the gospel. She was the first one to carry the gospel. And I have his message in me too. And I think we bring, we bring honor to the Lord in, in sharing that message. We, he does favor us. Otherwise, why would he give us this gift? And I hope that's encouragement. And then we're celebrating his resurrection. Obviously, what happened on the cross, it doesn't end there. It was literally our beginning because when we die and we are born again into new life, we get a fresh start. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. I um, I had a, uh, a, a, maybe we just get into it more next week, but I was talking with a friend who's of a different faith and thinking there's things we need to do to get to heaven. And it was just when we were kind of going over the book of Matthew together, it was just so clear how it correlates with the other teachings in Scripture Mm -hmm. and how, you know, Jesus, um, I'm trying to think of the specific verse in Matthew that we had uh, discussed. Um, It would have been towards the end of uh, the Sermon on the Mount where, oh man, I'm racking my brain about it, but how it correlated with we are new creations in Christ. Yeah. How it correlated with no man can build another foundation other than which is laid. And that's in first Corinthians three. The foundation is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that there is, you just, you just see it. You just see, and that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll read what I wrote next week when we get a chance to do okay. that. But um, you see where he has paved the way. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we celebrate. This is gonna be our last episode before Easter. So I just think it's worth saying. I mean, that's what we're celebrating with his death on Friday. Mm -hmm. And the only reason that we'd celebrate a death is because there's a resurrection following it. And that death meant that we don't have one, uh, not a spiritual death. And so when we put our full trust and hope that he paid in full, uh, what uh, our penalty should have been, uh, that we had a debt we can't pay and he paid it just because he loves you and he loves me and he loves Rochelle and he loves anybody uh, that's listening to this or just anybody that's ever walked the face of the earth. And they had that (laughs) chance to accept that gift. Yeah. And and that's where it's simply faith in him that makes us right with him. And I think, uh, you know, when you confront this this friend, um, what we offer is not, it's not, <laughs> it can come across, I think, to some, if especially if it's not taken in the right way. If we come in the wrong spirit of the thing, it certainly could be taken as condescension, as conde- condemnation, as judgment. Um, you know, we're not the one who is in charge of that call. Mm-hmm. He has asked us to be partners in that 
we can come to a loved one and say, he has so much more for you than, than this. And I'm not perfect, but I, 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 I see you falling off a cliff and I want to help. Yeah. And you're, you're offering this incredible life on the other side of it. it. It's not about being better than another person. It's just, I, I see you fallen, man. And maybe, and I'm praying that God forbid I'm ever in a situation that someone needs to keep me from falling. They'll be brave enough to come alongside and say, I see you. He has more for you than this. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just about us being the family, the body of God, the, um, and connecting as only he can. Yeah. Yeah. And in doing so, we kill that cancer that sometimes can sprout up among us. This is some very powerful stuff. And now Rochelle's going to cap it off with another dad joke. So whenever you. <laughs> what did one sleepyhead. OK, no, not the same one. <laughs> not the same one. I my can't goodness. make up one right off the top of my head. <laughs> not Thanks. my sleepyhead. Thanks for hanging with us. <laughs>